0: Uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit, just very (coughs) shortly in the middle of this message about some of my family. And it reminded me of the story of the lady who was eight and a half months pregnant, got in a car accident and went into a coma. As they delivered the children a week or so later, it was twins, a boy and a girl, she was still in the coma but another week she came out of it and there are these two beautiful babies her brother who is really goofy just really goofy named the children and so they brought the girl to her and, and the woman said what is her name and the the nurse said, well, your brother named him. And the woman thought, oh, no. Oh, no. So she says, what is her name? And she said, the nurse said, her name is Denise. And she thought, oh, that wasn't so bad. That's, that's kind of nice. And they brought her the little boy. And she said, well, what do you name him? And the nurse said... The nephew. (laughs) I don't have any brothers, but if I had one like that, I don't think I would keep him very long. (laughs) Disciples of Jesus Christ on the mountain. But let's go back about three years. Who were they? What kind of people were they when Jesus called them? Well, Peter and Andrew, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, probably were taken from that TV show called The Deadliest Catch because they were fishing in a horrible, horrible place. Matthew was an IRS agent. We know how much we like those guys, right? Simon was a political instigator and freedom fighter. He wanted to overthrow Rome and was very vocal about it. Thomas and Bartholomew eventually joined the Deadliest Catch crew for um, a short time after Jesus' crucifixion. Philip and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus were traders, and Thomas was a tradesman. People from all walks of life, Jesus called to be his disciples. At the end of their lives, according to Eusebius, a first century historian, they had served Jesus for a long time. They were disciples for a long time. Peter, 33 years after Jesus was crucified, was crucified upside down at his own request, about the same time that Paul was beheaded. And that was because Nero just didn't like Christians. And Peter was a huge instigator in that. Andrew's his brother, went north into Russia, what was called at the time the land of the man-eaters. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, let me go to the land of the man-eaters and we'll make disciples there. Um, he again was called back and was crucified. John lived a long natural life and ministered most of his life in Ephesus except for the time he was on Patmos and in prison there Matthew ministered in Persia and Ethiopia most accounts say he wasn't martyred Simon ministered in Persia where he was killed because he didn't worship their sun god refused to join all that Bartholomew ended up in the Arabian peninsula after serving with Thomas uh, we don't know how he died. Philip went to North Africa, helped convert the wife of a Roman proconsul, and he was so mad he had him killed. The proconsul, he just wasn't going to have that. James, the son of Zebedee, was executed by Herod in 44 AD. James, the son of Alphaeus, went to Syria, ministered for 44 years, and then was clubbed to death because he offended somebody. Thaddeus was martyred in Persia, and he died in kind of a firing squad and was hit by four arrows. That's a pretty awesome legacy. Legacy for disciples. Elaine read what is called the Great Commission for us. It's from Matthew 28. It was a parting words of Jesus to his disciples. And today we're going to look at that Great Commission, the commandment Jesus gave. But first, let's take a step back to Matthew twenty-two twenty-six, 26, where Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. If you really think about it, both of these are closely related. The commandment tells us how to do it. Think of this. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Great Commission tells us what to do. Go and make disciples. And you put them together, the greatest love for others is to make disciples of them to follow Jesus Christ. And Jesus was kind of adamant about both things. Jesus made it clear that we're not to sit around and say, well, I'm saved by Jesus, and then do nothing. In John 14, 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. In other words, we're disciples of Jesus Christ, right? And if we are those disciples, we need to make other disciples. So let's begin our exploration of this passage. When they saw him, I'm sorry, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. We don't have a record of what Jesus did to direct them, but we know that all 11 were together on the mountain. Verse 17 says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now what is worship? You know, you can learn something by looking at the meaning and the back meaning of certain words in the Bible. How many of you have had a dog? Just raise your hands. Most of us have had a dog. I don't know about you, but I love seeing those videos about a military person who comes back after being gone a year or six months or whatever, and their dog first sees them, And what happens? Man, the dog goes crazy. He's licking his face and his hands and sniffing him and trying to get in his lap and, and all that. And for most of us, if we've had a dog, your dog reacts the same way when he first sees you or she first sees you. It could be when they haven't seen you for a day. For some dogs, it's three minutes, (laughs) right? They do that. They're all over you, licking your face, your hands wagging their tail. You can't get them off of you. Your dog loves you and he does everything he can do to show you he loves you. He can't make you dinner. No. Can't clean your house, make your bed but with all that it shows you their love for many dogs we expect something out of them beyond the licking and tail tail wagging doing a few tricks sit stay don't bark you can do that with every dog but a chihuahua it's just the way it is and we tell them oh what a good dog The Greek word for that kind of action in a dog is proskineo. Remember that word, proskineo. Because every time it shows up in the New Testament, guess what it's translated as? Worship. Think about that. When you're doing your worship. Is it that Absolute love that you have for God? If he had his hand out, would you hold it, kiss it? Probably not lick it, but you know. But it's that kind of emotion that the dog has towards its owner that in worship we're to have for him. That kind of puts a new light on it, doesn't it? It kind of goes, whoa, that's pretty awesome. Our next little phrase says, but some doubted. Can you believe that? You ministered for three years. You watched him die on the cross. Now he's back alive. And they doubted. Does anybody here ever have doubts about the relationship with the Lord? I do. I question things. I look at things. God generally takes that hand that I'm supposed to lick and slaps me in the face and says, pay attention, boy. But they didn't doubt for long. But when we see people who doubt, they have weak points in their Christian walk. Notice that they're never condemned in the Bible. Elaine just read for us, there is therefore now no condemnation. We can't say, well, look at that guy, man. He he just did this and he can't be a Christian. No, he can be a Christian because we all have failings. But God restores us and brings us back to him. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All authority. Every, any, all, whole, everyone, everything, all things. Nothing is excluded. He's over everything. We think our country's going to pot. God's over that. He knows what he's doing. Countries all over the world have, have gone crazy. If you look at the Russian Revolution, the, the Chinese Revolution, um, the Armenians who were killed for their faith, God knows about all that. But eventually, even if we die like the apostles did or like the disciples did, We're going to a much, much better place. And that's awesome. Awesome. All of us have different gifts that God has given us. I'm picking on Elaine today because she was there. You know, she's a medical wizard. Um, Bruce is just a loving, caring man who just gets things done. You know, uh, God has given us gifts. And we're to use them for his glory. Everyone on earth, no matter what our station in life, our personal situations, our finances, whatever it is, God is in control. And I've been through all, I, I, you know, uh, I've had grave financial situations in my life. I was a pastor to church, and my wife called me and said, I can't do this Jesus thing anymore, and she left. That's a tough one to deal with. I talk with a lot of folks who, who well, I'm going to fix this myself. I'm going to go do it my way. And I've learned in my life, You do it his way. Or as that old saying goes, I often have to ask myself, is it my way or Yahweh? You know? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. When we see the word therefore, we we need to find out what it's there for. It's just a simple thing I learned. Why is it there? Well, It's there because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because of that, you do what God wants. He's in control. He has all authority. And the word go, where? Where do we go? Well, I read the list of where the disciples went. Where are we supposed to go? Right outside that door. And everywhere else we happen to be. Wherever you're called. Or how about this? You know, the kids say whatever. And I'll tell you, wherever. Wherever. I got three nephews. They're all named with D words. David was called to India, to the Muslim community in India. Now, can you think of a harder mission than that? Trying to reach Muslims for Jesus Christ? I've seen pictures of him in India. David is six foot four. Most of the Indians are five foot one. And he stood out in a crowd like you couldn't believe. But he did that for 12 years. His brother Daniel goes to Uganda every year, and they dig wells so the people can have fresh water because you can't believe the water they drink. It's absolutely horrible. They brush the scum off the top so they can get to the dirty water below. And that's what they cook with and clean with. But while Daniel's there and digging the wells, he preaches to bring people to Christ. Donald is a make disciples kind of guy. Everywhere he goes, first words out of his mouth, or do you know Jesus? Everywhere. He's got this big motor home. He was a chiropractor and did pretty well up in Sacramento and sold his business and that's his mission. And the point of this is wherever you are you should be looking for ways to make disciples. How many of those apostles or the disciples of Jesus died of starvation? None. How many died because they didn't have a place to sleep? None. How many died because they didn't have enough to eat? None. Were they killed for their faith? Yes but I'd rather be killed for my faith than have all the riches in the world. And then this little phrase, go therefore and make disciples. Can anybody define what a disciple actually is? Those guys must have had a pretty good understanding. They left everything to follow him. For three years, they soaked up everything he had to say. So what is a disciple? There's three words related that are always translated disciple in the Bible. Mathetes, matheteo, and mathatria. If it's a female disciple, it's mathatria. If it's a mixed group, it's Matheteo, and Matheteus talks more about individual disciples. To be a disciple, one must follow the precepts of their teacher and then follow those instructions. Within the Bible and around, a disciple can be a student or a teacher or both, and is really required to be both. Um, I forget who had this saying, but it's in my notes here, so I guess I should say it. A disciple is more than someone who converts to a new religion. It's someone who has committed their life to following Jesus. Communicating the gospel is a critical element in disciple-making, but it isn't the end, it's only the beginning. Modern churches today... Man, it's like they keep a scorecard of how many people come forward in church and get prayed over in church or whatever whatever, to become a Christian. And there's no follow-up. Okay, go now, you're a Christian. But being a disciple is continuing to learn and teach others. I was told once, that as followers of Christ, we should be discipling someone. And then we should be discipled by someone else. It doesn't mean we're being discipled by someone greater than us or better than us. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 24, and 25, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. No one's better than anyone else. I have a friend named Ron. Uh, like me, he's retired. We've both been pastors of churches. And we disciple each other. If there's something I'm not getting, if there's something I've have, I'm having a problem with, I call Ron. And we discuss and talk and figure it out. From a biblical point, if he's having a problem, he calls me. And like my neighbor Mike, it's, it's I got this problem with my computer. Can you help me fix it? Um, no, I'm being discipled. He's being discipled. Sometimes it's both of us being discipled in our conversations. It's talking to people about the Lord. You can be a disciple with not having all knowledge of the word of God. You don't need to have the Bible memorized, categorized, and be able to quote every verse that applies to every situation. Who here believes they have all knowledge of God's word? Anybody? No. No. Okay, who has complete understanding of 50% of God's word? 25%, 10%? I might go, you know, I'm in the Bible all the time. I might brag and say, I got 10%, but then somebody shows me something I don't know, I hadn't known before, and, and yeah. Yeah. What are we to do as as disciples? Make disciples of all nations. The Greek word is ethnos, and we could say ethnic groups, but the word has nothing to do with skin color. It has everything to do with people groups. Now, understand this. I'm going to say this side of the room is Israel. That's where all the Israelites, the Jews, live. This side of the room is Samaria. The Jews hated Samaria, absolutely hated it. They hated its people. Why? Because the Samaritans intermarried with other people, and they hated them. To the Jews, Elohim Yahweh was for the Jews only and for nobody else Jesus taught that God was not only redeeming the people of Israel to himself but the whole world and the whole world needs to know You see in Acts 1:8 when Jesus told them you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem And in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, that shocked a lot of people. You Israelites over here, if you needed to go outside over here and there was a door right in the middle of this wall, you would go out the back door, go around and come around or go out back this way somehow. You would not go into Samaria. You wouldn't touch it. How many of us think there's people in this world that aren't worth the time? I would talk to him. I could talk to her, but she's not worth it. How do you know? How do you know who's worth the time and who's not worth the time? The story of the good Samaritan shocked people. A Samaritan would be good. Yeah. Jesus was tearing down the walls of hostility in his message of peace and reconciliation. Don't you just wish sometime that perhaps, just perhaps, the peace of Jesus could knock down walls of separation between people? And did it work was the gospel spread. Acts 9.31, about six years later, the Bible says, So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was being built up and was walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it multiplied. It multiplied. So we make disciples, not just converts. We make disciples. We don't just tell people about Jesus and then turn and walk away. Here's my card. Here's my phone number. Here's how to get a hold of me. I want to get with you next week and talk about this. and then baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We come to Jesus. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we get baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. It doesn't make you special. It's just that representation of you being a part of God's family. It's you making that commitment. Do you know that in Roman times, you could talk about being Jesus all the time and nobody would bother you? But the moment you got baptized, they could kill you with no problem because that stand showed your faith. And there's a lot more about baptism we could talk about, but baptism is an important step. and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Evangelism, teaching them. If I'm a disciple, I am evangelizing. I also need to make sure that those who are converted have a way of gaining more knowledge about Jesus Christ. Now, how long does it take to follow Jesus Christ? An hour? Two to three? A whole day? How about a whole lifetime? I'm 71 years old. I got baptized when I was 11 because when I got baptized... Then I got to go to summer camp free in our church. Uh, It wasn't the incentive, you just had to be baptized to go. So um, I went. And I've had great people in my life discipling me. And I've had the opportunity to disciple others. And that's our call.